Hi, you're listening to Mystically Inclined with Fiona and Mo. A podcast featuring conversations that explore what it means to live in alignment. From the practical to the mystical, we're here to challenge our beliefs, learn from each other, and grow together. And have fun. And have fun. On today's show, we have Wendy Nix. Uh, Wendy has worked for ESPN since 2006, where she's hosted a whole slew of their big hitting shows from College Football Live, NFL Live, Sunday NFL Countdown, and NFL Rewind. And she is just one of our favorite people. She truly is. We have known Wendy since 2012 when we both started working for ESPN, myself doing hair and Maureen doing her makeup. Um, she's been behind our chair or in our chair rather so many times, whether in studio or on the road. And we've had the pleasure of um, being on many, many adventures with Wendy that have just been so much fun. Yeah, she's crazy and wonderful. And whether it's, you know, finding a yoga class in some remote city or a new restaurant or wine bar or something like she's always up for adventure or and... just like recapping a really great story. She's a great storyteller. It's yeah, very entertaining is. when she gets going. That was fun to hear. <laughs> yeah, definitely. So we hope you guys enjoy. Yeah. Here we are with Wendy Nix. <laughs> Wendy's sprinklers just <laughs> went on. Let's go. Hey, wait, stand by. <laughs> um, okay. Oh yeah. <laughs> wait, before we actually start, I'm the first official guest. Is that right? That's yeah. right. Yeah, we've recorded That's- about 50 um intros. But Okay. <laughs> you're our first official guest. Okay, sure. All right, I think we're good now. <laughs> All right, back. It's okay, Harles. All right, settling back in outside. All right, so once we start talking, this is like official. Yeah. Okay, I'm ready. You ready? All right, great. <laughs> Welcome to our show. Thank you for coming on. We're so excited to chat with you. Thank you. I'm glad to be here. I really I- don't think I'm going to get rid of that sprinkler moment. <laughs> Excellent. Let's keep that in. Everybody needs a sprinkler or two to go off during something they're doing. Yeah, exactly. Welcome to my life. Unexpected moments. Excellent. <laughs> what else is new in your life? How is parenting going? Oh, parenting, parenting. You know, so I don't know if you guys saw Tina Fey. I thought this was great. She was on The Tonight Show recently. And she said that having a teenage daughter is like having an office crush. You think about them a lot more than they think about (laughs) it. It's so true. You know, I mean, it's fun. They come in, they throw their book bag at me, they, and then boom, the door slammed in your face. You're like, what? Okay. They come out to eat. They come out when they need to be driven. And otherwise, you just sit around and wait till they need you, I guess. But it's um, I know she, it's an event. She has a part in that where she's like, yeah, you're like, um, so a bunch of us are going to have dinner. I don't know if you want to come or if you're too busy, you don't have to. <laughs> it's so true. And then you get a little overly amped for those times when they're like, want to hang out. Yes. or you, And then they're like, gosh, loser. Like you overdo it. <laughs> and then they're, they're over it before it even starts. Uh, but. I, you know, we're lucky. They're they're doing good things and uh, on the right path. But man, it's an adventure. Yes. I'm glad I'm not alone because I'm I'm having a hard time with this whole teenager thing. I don't think I like it. It's hard, and you have boys, 
I mean, it's yep. still still a thing. Girls, obviously, whole other host of issues. The messages they're getting about their bodies and about what's uh, what's cool, yeah. awkward, what fitting in the right box. I mean, it's insane. And I'm so grateful I didn't have social media. I didn't have to worry about that. Yeah. Uh, avenue because it's just um it's 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 really uh, a lot of things they have to cope and deal with but then you want to strangle them some days because <laughs> heap of ingratitude it feels like sometimes or yeah. lack of which i think is part of the process but i just you want that's there in the long run sometimes i can't tell <laughs> I know they'd say that um, teenagers are just like, you know, narcissistic and it's just part of their process. And it's like, oh God, I was never like that, of course. (laughs) (laughs) And I get a lot of the eye rolls, you know, well, in the olden days. And I'm like, gosh, that's what we're calling. Olden days. That's rude. Uh, Right. Um, But uh, strength in numbers, I, I, I do, to your point find it reassuring that I'm not the only one who feels this way because it is you hear about it before they get to this age and you're like oh not my kid or <laughs> it won't I'll be super cool and then boom yeah okay you're and right then one day it. you're just not cool anymore and you're embarrassing <laughs> my husband goes out of his way to be embarrassing which I can't really get myself to do that like he'll be dropping them off at school and he'll roll down the window and be like I love you I love you or like say something so obnoxious and they're <laughs> like that's their stepdad so they're like what the hell (laughs) so anytime he drops them off and I I have to work and I can't bring them they're like mom why (laughs) why like who's taking us which one of you why Mm -hmm. which and who is the preferred chauffeur yeah exactly it's so weird I'm just like what is the matter you don't talk to us anyways no that's my point (laughs) so I know and now we have all these new things that like social media we didn't have to deal with even I feel like pot is like a weird new thing that we're having to think about in such a different way right now because I'm like well it's not this forbidden horrible thing that you would be arrested for but like don't do it but also like other grown-ups you know might and it's okay it's such a weird conversation ranking you know we're in the stage where our oldest daughter is experimenting a little bit. She's been honest about it. She's, we, we prefer to be in the loop. Mm. And, but you have to be respectful of other families who might have different rules, different obligations. And there's also the legality of it. Cause in that case, you know, if you do technically in this country anyway, you need to be 21. So you're navigating all of that. It, it, it's to your point, Mo. I mean, it's just, there's, there's a lot of, a lot of moving parts that I think probably weren't there when we were, going through this stage yeah right. that's a good point because I like I'm like oh but we always had pop but yeah now it's legal I feel right. like with yeah with our kids we kind of talk about it the way we do alcohol like yeah you're gonna experiment you're gonna try these things but like be smart be safe and also you know there's no rush you'll yeah. get to it you know like you'll get to it when you get to it we had a situation um <laughs> Not too long ago where uh, my daughter and her friends expressed some interest in, in trying, you know, alcohol. And uh, we said, okay, we got the sign off from the other parents. We sort of went through the process. And then there was one child who um, did not feel well. And, you know, our daughter would be like, well, this is this is your deal. We're here. But, you know, you've got to do all the managing, clean, <laughs> and, and 
playing and she was over it before it started. She's like, that's just not even worth it. <laughs> I was like, let's <laughs> when call them for the parents. <laughs> nice work. Yeah. Well, and then yeah. you have like even our own relationship with alcohol is weird. Like I feel like culturally it's so automatic to be like, this is the solution for stress. Like, mm. oh, you feel yeah. stress? Have a glass of wine. And like, of course we all love a glass of wine. Like it doesn't really make your stress better in the long run. So you guys, I'm I'm sober right now. Uh, I'm not around I'm confused. You mean like this morning or for I how mean long? like since April first, John and I decided that we were gonna be sober for a bit because we were drinking a lot. I was drinking a lot. I was also smoking. If I wasn't drinking, I was smoking weed. Like every day I would come home and like either just smoke weed or drink. And I'm like, I'm literally doing this because I'm sad. It's like, I don't think I should be doing this right now. (laughs) I have to find myself in this problem because I have, um, I live at the beach and I have some really fun summers. I tend to be actually more of a happy drinker, Uh, (laughs) but that that can be just as bad because, you know, in the summer it's a big, big ball of happiness, which means... (laughs) It can turn into, you know, all day, every day, or not all, you know, but you're at the beach and you're, before you know it, you're like, wait a minute, this, this, this too is not good. Um, But either way, but especially I think when you figure out that it's about stress, it's just, that to me can be a real slippery slope. Yeah, same. And I have like addiction in my family. So I'm just like, I got to be careful. Like, (laughs) yeah, I think it's wise. It's not worth it. Do this. (laughs) I don't know. We didn't put an end date on it. We were just like, okay, let's just like see how this goes and see how we feel. And then I was like a little nervous. Um, My mother-in-law threw like a big party for Easter last weekend. And I was like, this is usually like I would drink. Like John's aunt brought like four bottles of wine for me. And I was like, oh, wow. I would usually drink all that wine. (laughs) Now I'm like, thanks. I'm sober. And I thought it'd be weird like celebrating the day without being drunk. But I was fine. Like it didn't feel much different, you know? I think it's a mindset, to be honest. Like once you're past it, and once you realize, you know, there's not a huge difference, then it's just getting, I'm so, to your point, it's a habit for me in the evening when I'm cooking, after Mm. I'm done, after the day is done. So breaking that, those initial first few days, I think of like, no, I'm going to do something else. I'm going to have some would, would be for me the biggest part, I think. Yeah. I don't what know. do you guys find is like one of your best ways to de-stress like aside from wine? I mean, for me, it's exercise and, and yeah. particularly I, I did it years ago. And then recently I've just gone on a, a rampage, although in the positive sense of yoga, yoga in particular, mm-hmm. but movement, any endorphins, um, I feel like immediately are almost an immediate fix for me actually way more than alcohol yeah mm-hmm. i know i sometimes find like okay just go for a walk i'm like i don't want to go for a walk and then i convince myself and inevitably i'm like hmm that did work damn it <laughs> that was easy. wendy that do you do you have days where you just like force yourself to do stuff like do you have emotional days or like low days where you're like i don't want to even get out of bed and do you force yourself on those days to just kind of like push through or like, what's that process for you? Uh, for, for me, question for me. Mm-hmm. I, yes, of course I have those days. I definitely have those days. I, for me, it's more, 
um, I don't know about the not getting out of bed because when I get anxious and worried, I tend to almost have manic energy instead mm -hmm. of low. Um, like I can't do enough because you want to almost the more you do and the more you fix and the more phone calls you make, the more you're controlling it, which you're really not. Mm. So I don't know about the not getting out of bed, but that in terms of I just can't do any, you know, I, I, like I'm overwhelmed by today. Yes, for me, um, the two things that I do and that help the most are movement of some sort and honestly being outside. I could really be outside like 24 mm. hours. Um, I'm a huge, I wouldn't, I don't know, outdoorsy might be a strong word because I'm having like an open four seasons or something like open the yeah. door. But <laughs> I, I do, I really, really love being outside, whether it's skiing or being in the mountains or playing golf or being at the beach. So I'm always better outside, like, especially if it's a real crisis situation, at least get me outdoors somewhere. That's like your number one. Yeah. And, and get me moving. And I think in the, almost in the literate, literal and figurative sense, inside feels closed in, like the house is closing in, the world's closing in, the walls are closing in and then outside it's bigger than me. So at least mm. even in a physical sense, that's helpful to me. Yeah. How's your decluttering going? Well, Maureen, what I, clutter? <laughs> what he has nothing in her house. Oh my gosh! <laughs> like, no, she does not have clutter because I have noticed that one of the ways she copes with stress is getting rid of stuff. <laughs> and I forgot about that one. Yeah, I mean that. Like, man, you better it better be nailed down. <laughs> the minute I feel real stress, I'm like, well, this we don't need this. I mean, who? It's gone. Where's <laughs> all my shoes, mom? I don't need shoes. But, yeah, getting things out is incredibly cathartic for me. The only issue is that we don't have a lot to clean out. So sometimes good <laughs> things get. But listen, mental health is, is important. So you got it too. I cost to do it. But yeah, I, I that's a big one for me. But uh, yes, if you don't know me, I am. Uh, I don't. I don't have a lot of excess clutter, which Not I my love. Thing. I well, that's it works dream. for me. It's I my know. dream. I would fit I in know. right. I would fit right into your house perfectly. You wouldn't even know I was there. <laughs> I want nothing. And it's having a good day. You don't get tossed out either. Okay. I um, I uh, yeah. My family would prefer I tolerate it a little bit more. And and that is a struggle with teenagers that I've I have to give a little. Obviously, they have their room, and I try. I just um, keep their door closed because I, I, it's so stressful I, to me. It's just. Don't ask, don't tell. Like, don't go in there. And if you see forty towels on the floor, you, you you can't have a heart attack if you don't go in and see them. So exactly, you know. But we're tra we're transitioning. This is going to be a big big step to uh, each person in our family starting June first doing their own laundry. Mm. And they're not going to do it, and it will be everywhere. And so the real question is, how long till I cave, which everyone's banking on. So this is going to be a real thing. <laughs> I, I don't know. I'm gonna. I really try because I've been doing that for the past couple of years. You have, yeah. Oh man, I do it all, and I don't stop. Yeah, well, that's it. Just became too much for me. I just don't have the time to do it, and then I get very stressed and overwhelmed. And like, I feel like cleaning for me is kind of like drinking for me. Like it's a slippery slope. Like once I start and I like turn on that clean mode, I have a hard time turning off, and then I'm just like mean to everyone in my path because I can never finish. It's, well, not that, it's a task that never I, ends. I get so angry. And I feel like even though they don't, they're like, no, we can't do it. You do it. They'll get, I think it'll actually be better for them and for me because I won't be so mad all the time, maybe, or yeah. less mad. 
because I just don't come, you know, there's some Sundays where I don't even come out of the little laundry room because yeah. I, I, I literally cannot keep up. Yeah. And I wonder if you'd funny. like to weigh in on our debate, Wendy, because Fiona and I have an ongoing debate about laziness and whether or not our kids are lazy, basically. And she thinks that laziness is just like a shameful word that we should get rid of. And I think that they need to clean their room. <laughs> well, I also think because, you know, we talk a lot about like energy types, which Wendy, I've done your human design before. So we know you're a manifesting generator. So you have like a ton of energy, but there's other energy types that don't have a lot of energy. And Maggie, Landon, and Dean, and Devin are like non-energy beings. So they just don't have the, they can't keep up with us like ever. I don't know about your daughters, though. I don't know what their energy types are. I have one in one. Um, so this is interesting because we have this debate a lot. And I struggle with it because I do. I think laziness to me, I just almost have a zero tolerance policy. And and I would admit that I probably am on the higher end of the spectrum than a lot. I don't sit down much. And I don't, I just, I can't, when things aren't done, I don't understand like chilling out and watching TV until everything's done. It's like, it literally doesn't, like the synapses don't connect in my brain to understand that. Um <laughs> See, my oldest Maya just, I mean, she would not clean her room till maybe the end of time if you didn't, um, you know, if I didn't say anything or she would not put away clothes or she would not, she would sit and watch TV and veg for hours. She would sleep till 11. This like, this doesn't, honestly, it doesn't work <laughs> for me. even though on the flip side, and I'm not saying this to, to brag about her, but she is in all AP courses. She's making straight A's. She's a state champion in soccer. She goes to practice. She works hard. So it's, it's, it's uh, disingenuous to say she's, I guess, lazy in the true sense, but her priorities and her energy level, when she's done with all that, she has nothing left. Whereas I would shift into that all got the energy it needed. And now these things require energy. Mm-hmm. And so mad. Uh, my, my oldest is, uh, I mean, my youngest is a little more like me, um, a little bit fastidious, keeps things straight, is organized, needs um, everything under control. But then the flip side of us is when things aren't we struggle to be okay mm-hmm. so if especially with her at a younger age if things don't go exactly according to plan you know the train comes totally off the tracks if her alarm doesn't go off 30 minutes early so she can be organized then all hell breaks loose whereas maya can function like she's not worried about it. she want to get up anyway throw <laughs> <laughs> sweats on and go to school why would i care that i'm five minutes big deal yeah um, so there's there's healthiness in both, but I definitely um, identify more with Sophia, who's younger, and so Maya kind of makes me crazy sometimes. So I, mean, I don't understand, like literally, <laughs> why? I, I mean, like why is this towel on the floor? I don't understand. There is a hook. Like I just it takes <laughs> almost as much energy to drop it as to put it on the hook. I just I don't. Yes, exactly. There will be like pieces of garbage on the floor. I'm like. Never in my wildest dreams would I like unpack something and just throw it right. on the ground. Like, why would it even be here in the first place? We had an incident on Sunday, I guess it was. She like wanted some chips. So she opened the bag, but she was like too lazy. to. She didn't want to deal with opening the top. So she just like ripped it along the side. Oh, God. And then left it on the counter. So that when I did go to pick it up and put it away, I you know, you can't see that the entire side is open. So I picked it up and now chips go flying like... 40 miles in every direction they're on the floor the dog starts eating chips and you're like who on earth like 
what would possess someone to open a bag like that and then leave it on the counter? And then when you ask them about it, go, so? <laughs> I mean, like, mind blown. Yeah, mind- exactly. And I was like, my husband, like, you better handle chip gates because I, <laughs> this is, that's my realm of being, being able to handle it. Someone will get hurt. Handle it. <laughs> anyway, that was Yeah, chip sometimes gate. you just have to pass the baton. <laughs> Yeah, you gotta know, you gotta know when I I do know that much. Were you ever you were never messy, right? When you were even a kid? No, and I think um, you know, Fiona, you were talking about like we were never like this. Okay, so obviously I had my own teenage moments. I'm not gonna be like, oh, she was the one. But I will say, even my parents would tell you I was pretty. I mean, I was losers, which probably call me, but um, yeah. I, I was always pretty buttoned up. Like I had a day timer in 10th grade. I was very strict about um, being obligated to it. I, you know, was writing notes to teachers to tell them, thank you for doing such a great job. I mean, I really was not your <laughs> typical teenager. Again, going back to the other side of that coin, I had an ulcer by the time I was 16. I was super stressed. I could not handle anything less than perfection. So I'm not arguing that that's the way to do it, but right. sometimes you have trouble identifying with the typical teen because I really wasn't one. Mm. Yeah. I hear yeah. that same. Like that was like, I've said this to Maureen, like having a, like cleaning the house was one of my responsibilities growing up. And it was like, you really felt like you wouldn't be loved if the house wasn't perfect. So it was really right. like, um, when I started to kind of release that, it brought up a lot of like shame about, you know, am I worthy to just rest? Am I worthy to sit here in this messy room and still, you know, know that I'll be fine? You know, that's, that's a good point. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I, I don't know. Uh, my reasoning was different. Maybe it was more sort of controlling my, my environment, which was also often hectic and, and too hot. So mm. it wasn't so much love, but it was definitely out of control. Mm. And so, yeah, when I down now, I mean, it's probably why I watch almost no television except for sports when I need to is because nothing's ever always, nothing's ever all done. And yeah. since I don't sit down all done, it's rare that I sit down. <laughs> sit down. <laughs> you sit down to drink wine. I do. I Well, so maybe you know, drinking you know, wine is a good thing for you. Turns out you can vacuum in wine all day. <laughs> it's true. Amazing. Okay, back to sports because Maureen and I would love to hear the story of, and we've heard the story before, but I, it's such a good one that I just love to hear it over and over again. <laughs> when you, um, I guess, started working for ESPN or like how that whole little transition went very early in your career. I um I didn't know you guys knew this story. Yeah, I this I haven't told this story in a while. Probably should since who knows where I'm, what what's happening next. But um. Yeah, I guess it's it's good or bad depending on your perspective, but you have to have to do what you have to do. So I really wanted to. I was working in in local sports in Boston uh, at at NBC and had a really good situation there. I I uh, it was a great place to cover sports. Boston's incredible in that way. But it was time, or I was hopeful it was time for the next step, and I really wanted to be at ESPN. And I don't know how exactly the opportunity came, but they somehow they they needed some extra extra folks to do some sideline reporting at, at the women's NCAA tournament basketball. And um, I really, they asked me if I would do it, which of course I really wanted to do, but I was very much not allowed to under my current <laughs> structure. 
Uh, and I, whether I, if I had asked, and no, I don't, I'm sure they, it was just, they were never going to let me do that. I think times have changed and now people do other things and it's a little more flexible, but at that point, you know, they, NBC was, or channel seven in Boston was paying my salary. And that was that, but I felt like a foot in the door was a foot in the door. And so anyway, I took, uh, I took a week off or I took a couple days off and I did it. And I didn't think it was a big deal because, um, it was so great, by the way, to see the coverage the NCAA tournament for women got this year. But it was a little different then, and, and everything was segmented. So, in other words, if you were playing in Indiana, you, basically the Midwest saw your game. Or if you were playing in Connecticut, only Connecticut saw that game. It wasn't a national thing. And I was in uh, – I think I was at Purdue. I was in Indi Indiana. And so there was no way anyone in Boston would see it. So I thought, you know, it's not going to hurt anything. Only the game I, I was covering, it was like a – 16 versus one seed at that time, no 16th seed had ever beat the top seed. And they, what do you know, are leading with like two minutes to go or three minutes to go. It becomes a huge national story all of a sudden. So what happened work of course has the capability to take that game and put it everywhere in the country. And so <laughs> including all the televisions in the newsroom, Boston, <laughs> which there I am, you know, plastered on our television screens in Boston. And of course my bosses saw it. <laughs> but I mean, the odds of that happening were so one in a million. I, I mean, just your thing. And I thought at the time, not thinking, it's a national, it's a national feed. Never once thinking you clown. Like <laughs> now fired from your actual job, you better hope you get this job. And sure enough, they saw it. So got, got back. They, they, they called me in and uh, I mean, she was furious, uh, livid. There was a, a, a news director, but she also did not want to be completely like, feel like she got left out of the dark. I think like that wasn't a good look for her either that I'd gone so rogue. And so she said, are you by any chance, were you on the sidelines for ESPN this weekend. I don't know what prompted me to do this, but I thought there was only one way through this. It's played up. So I said, I was. Did you, did you happen to see it? Because I would love your feedback. <laughs> and she was like, I beg your pardon. I was like, well, I value your opinion. And, you know, I was just wondering what you saw. What'd you think? She's like, well, uh, uh, you can't. That's actually, I don't know if you realize, but that's in violation of your contract or your, and I was like, and by the way, which was all of this in context, my contract was almost up. I had like two months left or three months left. And I said, Oh my goodness. Oh, well, no. And I, so, Oh my gosh, what a tough spot for you. I'm so sorry. Like, I <laughs> like, well, yeah. I mean, if you had come to us, which of course she was playing the same game at that point. And I said, right. I, oh my goodness. Oh, I really do apologize. And, Maybe if you have time to go back and look at it, you can tell me what you think. Anyway, we both played dumb. <laughs> Amazing. Offered me a new later to stay. By that time, I, I'd heard from ESPN. I took the job and was like, sorry, sorry, I gotta go. Uh, <laughs> and the it's been 17 years. So, you know, dancing the line of maybe what you would do or not do, but I felt like it was the right thing for me. But I'll never forget that day. And I walked out and all my friends were like, you know, ready to walk. They thought for sure I was getting fired. And by the way, they understood why they didn't want to see me fired, but they were like, well, yeah, of course they're going to fire you. And I <laughs> asked and started work and they're like, what are you doing? I'm like, ah, it's fine. We we worked it out. 
you know, everybody wins. Sometimes you just got to smile through it. You do have See? a knack for turning turning on the charm and well, telling people things they don't want to hear. Story, you know, it's, <laughs> it's just you. It's a nice way. Yeah. Well, I don't know. I mean, I, I don't know what I was going to say when I went in. I was worried, by the way. I'm also somebody who really doesn't like to be in trouble, which doesn't sound it from that story. But and I don't like when things are uncomfortable or uncertain. So I but I knew I, you know, this was my choice and I had done it. It was certainly couldn't blame it on anyone else. Um, I had an agent or an advisor I was working with who was super supportive. He was like, here's the deal. You, I think it's fine if you do it. This is what will happen. You know, it, we, we the, the, the cards were all on the table mm -hmm. um, and it was my decision. And um, but. For whatever reason, when I got in there, we just started chatting. I just like, well, I don't know. We'll just try this and see what happens. <laughs> I mean, it worked out for the best. Like you just had that gut instinct to go for it and you did it. Yeah. I think, you know, at that time and things again, that was so many years ago, it there weren't as many ways to see people or interact with them. So like maybe ESPN was a little bit familiar with my work, but not totally. They also um, at that time had a little bit of trepidation about people coming from local sports because sometimes you just sort of stood there and read, you know, read what was on the screen, how much were they doing and thinking and writing. So I, I sort of knew my only shot was to get in and, and do it for the folks that were there. And so I did. <laughs> That news director is still there, by the way. So she's got a long career. So, so let's just give her. Wow. So everyone won in that. Everybody, everybody won, I think. I'd like to think of it like that. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> and how has it been? So now you've been at ESPN 17 years. Yep. Just coming up. I and I mean, I have to say you're definitely one of the our favorite people that ever comes in the makeup room because you're always like. <laughs> Even if you're just like, oh, I just drove through a blizzard and my car is barely making it. Like you're pleasant to be around. You're in a good mood. You have a good sense of humor and you're nice to everyone. And so it's always a pleasure to see you come in. But yeah, we forget that we repeat that. I don't know where... <laughs> <laughs> it's recorded. Just save it. <laughs> um, what have been some of like your high points with ESPN and then some of the more challenging moments that you've had to go through? You know, there's in all, in all fairness, I think over the span of what will be 17 years in August, I, th I think um, there's been a lot of high points. There really has been yeah. so many firsts, so many chances, you know, working with Chris Berman on NFL countdown eventually as a co-host, but first as a reporter and hearing him call your name and, thinking, oh my gosh, like this was, this was a, this was a dream. Um, your first report yeah. on SportsCenter, um, your first longer form piece for me telling a story and having that resonate with people, a feature. I really do love people in, in for the most part, <laughs> in most case. I, I really, what I do love is people's stories. I'm fascinated by them, good, bad, or otherwise. I think everybody's story is fascinating. And so so many high points telling those stories and being part of them and the in your long form piece later became a disney movie right yeah it did um uh, yeah yeah with uh with ray ray who was help raising his younger brother while he was a, a student athlete at clemson and i grew up in south carolina grew up a clemson fan that was also like my first piece at espn so such a oh i, I mean i was on cloud nine i'm recently last year when the movie came out had a chance to reconnect with him and his family um and in some ways that feels like yesterday. So 
I've loved all that. I love writing. I really do. Talk about cathartic. I used to, when I was really doing a lot of writing at ESPN, you know, I, I'm an early riser. So I'd get up at five, the house would be quiet. I would have this writing process from five to nine or 10 and not get up until it was done. And it was this, you know, you're, it's just writing is a thing sometimes, sometimes easy, sometimes not. But when it was done, it was the best feeling. And I loved that part of my job. Um, and mm -hmm. I actually miss a lot of that and and hope maybe that I'll get back to those roots here pretty soon. And the low points are the low points. I mean, there's been, you know, yeah. obviously television is a visual medium. There's a lot of hard parts that come with that, especially for someone who has insecurities about that, which I definitely do. I think, um, and and the disappointments and the setbacks of being put on shows, taken off shows, all, all of that. I mean, people say it's don't take it personal, but a lot of it, I mean, television is personal. It's you, you're yourself. Right. So when that uh, changes or someone's not buying that, it, it feels very personal. It's It's been a long process to handle that better. I don't know if you ever handle it perfectly. I've, I've learned to compartmentalize to a point, but there, there's, so there have been days when you wonder, oh my gosh, is this overwhelming all the positive aspects? Right. You know, is this healthy for me? Um, given yeah who I am and how I'm wired and and those take real discipline at least for me and real focus on on learning to manage I wouldn't even say deal I would say learning to manage how do you like talk yourself out of when you're feeling bad about what's happening uh, well I go back to what I talked about earlier uh exercise yeah. being outside um, I love the ocean that always calms me because I just can't help but have the sense that there's something bigger than me and whatever mm. it is it's usually sort of silly in a way that you're focused on but it's still you and it's still what you feel I don't think and I say this to my girls all the time I'm not trying to minimize what you're feeling I'm just trying to give you a little bit of perspective on the, the bigger picture yeah. um yeah yep Harley agrees that's our puppy Harley <laughs> would like She's been so quiet this know, whole time. It's not her style, really, to be quiet <laughs> when I'm when I'm working. Uh, but I, and and part of it has just literally become habit of like you know this will be okay, you're okay, and yeah. this will pass. And when I say habit, I mean there are times there have been times when I have to repeat it for like two hours straight, like literally walk around saying this is okay, you're okay, it will be all right until until you just get tired of hearing yourself say it. Um, yeah. And, um, and then just, and, and just trying to appreciate all the other things for me being balanced and, you know, now again, somebody else needs you, the kids need you, the dishwasher breaks, I mean, all, all that while a distraction reminds you that life just keeps on rolling, yeah. feeling <laughs> less attractive that day or not. I want to ask you another question. How do you find yourself to be a spiritual person or like, what's your relationship to spirituality? Like, are you very religious? You've mentioned a couple of times, like having that feeling that there's something bigger than you. Like, do you have some kind of practice around that? Yes. I mean, I grew up um, in the church, going to church. Um, it's still something that resonates with me. We are, we, we go to church. We probably don't, we don't go as much as we should. Um, certainly. So I, religious, I, I would say I'm very, I'm faithful. Um, I certainly believe, and I certainly believe in a higher power and um, doing the right thing and all that that comes with it. I don't believe my God is the only God or your should be yours, but I'm certainly faithful. And in terms of spiritual, yeah, I just think who are we to know uh, all the other forces in play 
And I'm always open to, again, I think it goes back to my curiosity about people's stories. Um, this is a, a part of that. And I'm always open, I believe some things more than others, but I'm always interested in listening and learning. And my experience has been a lot of times people do have certain gifts and certain ways to connect that maybe we're not as used to or talk about. And I think it's pretty fascinating. And so I, I, yes, um, I would say I'm, I'm faithful and spiritual. I love that. It's so true. And we were talking about Bobby Klein earlier, but what was your experience or like, how did you even connect with him in the, in the first place? I actually didn't know anything about him. And, um, I did my 40th birthday in Tulum, um, with a group. We had a big party there or a party and which was awesome. It had been a place, um, years ago that I went a lot. Um, it's changed a lot and not that I don't like it now, but it, I sort of identified it more with, it, it was a little more old school. There was no power. It was kind of an unhidden or a hidden gem, I should say. And someone gave me as a gift, someone who we were with or who was in the area who knew and worked with Bobby gave me a, a session with him as a gift. Um, and it was pretty, I knew nothing about it. They just said, we need you at 11 a.m. on whatever day. And, you know, and you go and um, you sit with him and listen. And and some of it's a, it's a little bit of acupuncture, a little bit of this, a little bit of that, but he was an intuitive and and talked a lot about other forces in play around your life. And I mean, I thought it was fascinating. It was nothing, you know, super negative or super positive or super, it was just, uh, again, to use the word perspective and sort of co context, maybe. Mm. Um, but I found a lot of what he said did end up being pretty accurate. And that was my only time, actually. I had friends who went back. Uh, a lot of folks in our group ended up uh, meeting with him because of my experience. And then I think some people stayed in touch and did some other work with him. But I, I, I didn't, but I, it was, it was awesome. It was fascinating. And I, it's, we just talked about his passing, which is, which is sad. I, I always sort of thought I would circle back if not with him, with someone who did work like him, because I found it pretty fascinating. Yeah. And if, you know, if nothing else, if literally, if nothing else, it's an hour for yourself and gives you something to think about. Mm -hmm. Like, even if you're a skeptic, that's fine. I, but at the very least it's that. Yeah. Yeah. I, I ended up going to see him because you recommended him when you found out we were getting married in Mexico. You're like, you have to get here. You have to get to Tulum, you know? And I was like, okay, well, I guess we'll go. <laughs> and we did. And I really didn't know what to expect. And I, I scheduled like a, a couple session, which I didn't know. I was like, oh, okay, we'll get a joint reading. Perfect. <laughs> And then it was yeah. like a counseling session. That's what it felt like. And it was so funny because John and I were on our honeymoon and I was like, hey, new husband, we're going to a marriage counseling session. And he was like, what are we doing here? I did, I, I, I did one individually and then I did a couple sessions too. And it was pretty eye opening. And it is very much like he does employ some of traditional marriage counseling techniques, other things. And I, I remember being like, same thing. My husband got to vacation and I was like, guess what? <laughs> Here we go. <laughs> but I have to say, like, I think it was so helpful. We still talk about that session and things that were brought up during that session. We still like, well, we're like, oh, well, Bobby said. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I think it was super helpful to go to a session like that before there were issues. You know, like when we're still very happy and young in love and in literally the honeymoon stage and like to say, oh, oh, there are some things here that like can build up and create resentment if we're not aware of them. It just brought a lot of awareness to our relationship, which was really cool. Yeah. And I think um, 
I mean, it, it, again, awareness, even if it's just that is, ne- is never really a bad thing. Mm. I mean, they, you know, ignorance is bliss, but those things um, in any relationship, in any job, really in any endeavor, like the little things can become big things. So why not just be aware and then you can do with it what you will with that information, but at least you're aware. Yeah. And I think it's helpful, like when you're aware of yourself and then how, how that translates to your relationships, you know, like we're, I just like, kind of think we're all living out like our trauma response, you know, like everything we do, all these actions we take or how we respond to, you know, stresses in our life. It's just like how we're responding to our trauma. So like being aware of that and knowing like, okay, I'm cleaning right now because I need to feel like I have some control. Like that's a powerful awareness. Absolutely. You know, absolutely. I completely agree. Yeah, here we go. We on the same <laughs> B, do you want to like wrap up by pulling a tarot card for us to give Ooh. us some awareness? Okay, Ooh. let me go get my deck. Hang on, I'll be back. Okay. Should I get the one Adam gave me? Whatever you feel drawn to. Okay, hang on. <laughs> no, I don't have tarot cards. I wouldn't even know what to do with. I would. Well, you know what? I would clean them and throw them out. That would be bad for Yeah, you would not. Tarot, you need like digital tarot cards that can just live on your phone. <laughs> well, I ended up pulling from the moon deck, which Maureen got me this deck for my birthday one year. Yeah. And it says it's a, it's, I pulled the new moon in Aries. So it's time to take action. Oh, that makes sense. Okay. Take okay, action. Hey, time to take action. Is it a new moon in Aries right now? No, oh, we're in there is Aries, a lot though. happening in Aries. Yeah, okay. it is Aries season and Jupiter just moved into Aries and there is a Kazemi with the sun in Aries. So yesterday was like supposed to be the luckiest day of the year because I don't know Jupiter what became... word you just said. <laughs> Jupiter just yeah. became visible in our sky. That's pretty much what happened. And Jupiter is all about luck. And it's I spent five car in bad traffic. I didn't have any luck. What's going on? <laughs> <laughs> Jupiter. Maybe that's why you didn't have luck. You weren't talking to him. He felt well, lonely. And I'll girl, you're always in traffic. Where were you driving? Uh, <laughs> we in Boston. And it was uh, one of those days in Boston. I don't know what. Actually, again, I've been pretty lucky with traffic, but we we got crushed yesterday. But I don't know. Sometimes it's just true on the first like really nice day. And it was warmer there. It was like 76 there yesterday. It, it sounds weird, but it really is true. I, I mean, people get active or they, I have no idea why, but sometimes traffic can be exponentially worse on those early nice days. And man, it was just gnarled up. Yeah. That's the worst. But we did get there, which is the lesson, I guess. <laughs> Y'all got there safely, even in all the traffic. That's right. Nobody got screamed at too badly. So that's good. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. But now, of course, I'm going to spend the rest of the day like, Oh my gosh, she said I need to take action. I need to take action. I need to make a list. What do I need to be taking action? Well, on? what do you feel like you need to take action on? Oh my gosh. I I have definitely not been as proactive uh, as I should have been in just a number of I think what's next life stages. I mean, I'm I'm certainly not not proactive in cleaning the house or doing laundry or organizing the kids cuz that's in effect if you think about it the easy stuff. Or, or I should say not easy, but in my control. Mm. And, and I think right now I need to be thinking about what do I want the next 10 years to look like? And what do I need to do to make that happen? And yes, I need to still be working and 
finances are not the only thing, but they're a thing. So mm. how does what I do and what I need to do blend together? Mm. And is burst of motivation. I, I do well, but I can't seem to sustain it. Cause I think I get nervous and say, Oh, you know what? Three loads of laundry need to be done. Let me do that first. Yeah. I was just yeah, going to think- ask, like, are you using that? Like, quote unquote, busy work as distraction. Oh, I mean, there's not, I'm like a textbook right now for that. <laughs> like open the book on other things as a distraction. And I'm just sitting there folding laundry. <laughs> uh, again, it was self-aware, I guess. Uh, but, well, are you writing? Yeah. Um, not, No. A good question. I, I know it's, I, I, I miss writing and I want to be writing and no, no, I'm not. So <laughs> I'll write today. You know, I could write my list of ways to take action. Does that count? <laughs> Maybe uh, you just need to write. Have you ever heard of um, The Artist's Way? That book? No, I have not. Okay. It's no. a great book. It's called The Artist's Way. I forget the name of the author, but she, one of the practices, it's essentially like how to tap back into your creative side, how to create like a practice of creativity, you know? So one of the things that she says to do is it's what's called morning pages. So you wake up first thing in the morning and you just unconsciously write whatever is in your brain just dumps out onto like, I think she says to do three sheets of paper. So you just write whatever, no rhyme or reason. And then it's like all that stuff is just out of your head onto this page. And now you have a clear space to like create. That's pretty fascinating. Yeah. It's a really good book. I get the book. I think that. I mean, you could buy on your Kindle so you don't feel like you have to, you know, take up space with a book. (laughs) Well, that's true. Books are like my one exception in a way, although not unless I have like an acceptable bookshelf and they're arranged properly. But anyway. um, (laughs) You could even write your pages and then throw them away. That would be like double feel good for you in the morning. Double whammy feel goodness for me. Exactly. Oh, things I just did. What? Well, I feel like if you got a pretty journal that was like aesthetically worked with your house, like you could make it work. Yeah, that that's that's doable. You guys yeah. know me. <laughs> There's no hiding with you two. No. <laughs> no, I did morning pages for a while, and you do feel kind of just like refreshed when you start your day after you get that all out. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Okay, I'll try it. Yeah, try I've it. done it too. It's it's very powerful when I feel very anxious or just like a lot in my head. And I feel, cause there's this thing of creating just from a place of just like expression, you know, like you just want to create because it feels good in the moment. And then there's this other place of creating from a pressure. Like you have to create something. So like for others, anxious. yeah. And it's not really, it's coming from a place of this, like I have to do this because everything's riding on this thing that I'm supposed to create, like you end up making yourself crazy. So it really helps to kind of like get rid of that a little bit. Good advice. I like that. Thank you. You're welcome. (laughs) All right. Anything else we didn't cover? You guys are good. Um, (laughs) Any tips on how to be better at this? (laughs) Uh, What did you two uh, decide to start a podcast? Well, we got into a, a quite lively discussion about being lazy. And I was like, maybe we need to go on a podcast and talk to others about this too. I love it. Okay. There's a good answer. Yeah. I, um, well, I need to probably listen every time. So when I'm mad about someone in my family being what I call lazy, 
maybe I should listen to the podcast or do my morning pages in the middle of the day so I don't hurt someone. <laughs> <laughs> There's that. I feel like that's a great reason. I'm excited to start listening. I'll be your number one listener. You're the best, Thank Wendy. you. Thanks for Take being me. our first guest. All right. So people who are loving listening to you, let's share with them how they can find you. Where Where do you share things? Oh, wait, you're talking to me? Yeah, girl. <laughs> I was anxiously awaiting the information. <laughs> I don't know. I, I don't know. I mean, I'm not that good at it. I need to do better with the Instagram and the Twitter and all the things. And all uh, the things. Well, I do say when you post, I love it because you're always somewhere fabulous. I'm like, you. where's Wendy love- now? <laughs> we are, we're active bunch. Um, I, I will say this. How about we do this? And this will be a little tease. The 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 the, the Wendy brand is under construction <gasps> and to be coming soon. Yes. The new, I don't want to say improved, but the next installment uh-huh. is to be determined. But I am looking for finding out what that is because I still have a lot of energy and I want to figure out uh, how to make the most of it. I love that. Well, we're definitely, once this new um, Wendy 2.0 launches, we're going to have you back on and then we can share <laughs> with people where I, to find you. Yeah. All right. That's a deal. That's a deal. All right, guys. Have a great day. You and I too. Hope you see yes, for sure. In person with too. <laughs> All right. No, I will. Say. Bye, guys. We'll talk to you soon. Okay, bye. Wendy. Ready, go. Oh, Wendy next. You know, she's really like one of the funniest people, but like, you know, some people are funny because they tell jokes and other people are just like funny in their body. Yeah. <laughs> you know, just like how they show up is just funny. Like, it was just such a her moment to have the sprinklers go off while she's like recording them. Yeah, she's not trying to be funny. It's just like... Do you think... I think it was fun to interview her in that way because, you know, we've talked to her so many times about so many different things. And I think you do get a good glimpse of like who she is from that podcast. Yes. I know. I loved it. And it was fun to hear all of her updates and I'm looking forward to seeing what's next. I know. Me too. For sure. Me too. Um, You know, the funniest thing I found to be is that what? the only question that she didn't answer was like how to find her on social media <laughs> i know she's like don't bother following me on instagram i don't post anything <laughs> i'm like that's the question you refuse to answer okay dodge <laughs> it's fine okay um i want to know because when we pulled a card at the end of wendy's um interview it was take action mm-hmm Right. Have you taken any action after that? Like, were you inspired to start something or pursue something or do something different or new? I mean, I thought that was more for her. What's for everybody? (laughs) I mean, this is funny, though, because she texted like the next day and was like, "Okay, I called this person. I set up this meeting. I'm doing this. Like she did take action right away. There you go. Yeah. So you Um, just didn't think it was for you either. (laughs) Oh man, I was like, eh, it's more the cards are more talking to her. That was her question. <laughs> Why have you been taking action? Well, yeah, I edited the podcast. Okay. <laughs> Good at that. I know. How is parenting life going? What's your latest? Oh, so fucking high. 
that day was the day that the boys told me they didn't want to live with me anymore. That's Oof. a big fucking day. Yeah. That's yeah. Rough. It was rough. It was rough. I'll tell people delivery. like a little backstory about that okay. so that we can, they can like be on this ride with us. Okay. That's a good, good point. So as you, Maury, know, I've been divorced for the past 10 years, which is mm -hmm. crazy that it's been that long. So the boys were three and four when I separated from my ex and then mm -hmm. four and five when we got divorced. And since that time, we've had split custody. So we like split the week where, you know, they're with their dad Monday through Wednesday, drop off at school. And then I pick them up Wednesdays and have them through Friday. And then we alternate the weekends. So very right. busy. And a lot for everybody involved, but we've, that's literally what we've done for the past 10 years. Mm -hmm. And now the boys are teenagers and they have very full lives. And also like, I've had another child since then who just turned three and, you know, got remarried and all that. And so the past few weeks, past few weeks, past few months, I guess always, there's always like, I guess I'll also say that my ex and I have very different parenting styles. I tend to mm -hmm. be a little more relaxed, a little more like go with the flow. And um, their dad is very like regimented and like very- Does he listen to a lot of podcasts? No. Okay. So yeah, he's a little more of an asshole. <laughs> <laughs> we're all we assholes. say that. Okay. Yeah, that's true. we're all assholes at the end of the day, but yeah, he's just like very- um, scheduled like he's yeah. just very routine I remember when we were married like it would drive me crazy because I'd be like okay let's go do something different and he's like okay great and then would just go back to the same place like we would just have dinner at the same places eat at the same time go to the same grocery store vacation was at the same place and it would drive me crazy I felt very mm -hmm. trapped you know like I did mm -hmm. not like that um so anyways fast forward so you know, if I'm thinking about this as the boys, like those are two very different energies. Like me and their dad yeah. are two very different energies. And then you also bring into play their energies and, you know, their life or whatever. And they tend to be a little more regimented. Like they don't like any changes in plans. They don't really care for surprise adventures. Like you can surprise them with a gift, yeah, but you're not going to surprise them and say, guess what? We're doing something you've never done before going somewhere you've never gone before. They're like, no, we need a lot more information. This right. is not our idea. Yeah. <laughs> it's just who they are. So I'm like, okay. So we've been having some challenges lately. The Landon is grad finishing eighth grade, applying to high schools. And he started applying to some private high schools. And I was like, wait a second. First of all, I wasn't into in this conversation until he was already going on like school visits so like yeah way too late I think um so when I kind of got caught wind I was like um who's paying for this like I don't have money to pay for private school right. and um you know they were like oh don't worry about it like he'll get a scholarship like he'll only go if he gets a full ride and I'm like okay like whatever yeah well, he got accepted into a private school, which is amazing. Like that's a great accomplishment. Yeah. And they did give him um, some money, but they still like, it's still like $17,000 that he owes a year Jeez. for a high school diploma. So I was like, okay, cool. But like, I don't have an extra $17,000 right. a year, but. And they actually give them out for free at a lot of schools. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> 
Pro so tip. anyways, there was like some tension around that because I was like, yeah, no, I'm not like, no, yeah, I, I just can't. And whatever. So I don't think this came from that, but there was definitely some tension like leading right. up to this. Yeah. Um, I've also like worked full time, so I'm not home as much as I'd like to be. And, um, you know, they have very full schedules. So it, it lands on John to drive them around. And he has Devin who is very needy as a three-year-old. So um, it's just been a lot. So that Wednesday we had our, like we interviewed Wendy, whatever. We talked a bit about parenting and just like the changes and teenagers mm -hmm. and whatever. And I texted the boys and I'm like, oh, do you guys have training? Do you want me to bring you? And they're like, no, don't worry about it. Dad's going to bring us. I'm like, okay, great. And then, you know, around like four or five o'clock, I was like, hey, what time do you guys want me to pick you up? And they were like, you know, mom, just don't bother picking us up. And I was like, what? <laughs> what, mm. what do you mean? <laughs> they're like, well, you know, you're just not never home. And like, I don't know. They were like, you don't have any food in the house. And I was like, what are you doing? <laughs> There's too much food in this house. Like it stresses me out the amount of food. But I think they were just, they didn't know how to express it and didn't know how to say to me, like we need some consistency and routine. Yeah. So obviously in when they first were texting me, I was very defensive and I was very like upset and very sad. Like I definitely cried the whole rest of the day because I was Aww. just like, I didn't know I could be that heartbroken over my kids, you know? Yeah. Um, so yeah, they were, it was fine. So they texted whatever, there was a little back and forth, but I was like, okay, I need to just like process. So I just like cried it out. Mm -hmm. And then I was like, I'm going to take a shower. You're like, Let good thing I've been practicing this crying in the good shower. Thing, right? Yeah. So then I was like, during my shower, I was like, you know, I always told them like when they were little and they would complain about their dad and how strict he was and whatever, if he got mad at them, I was like, you know, guys, if you ever decide that you want to live, you know, full time with mom or whatever, like I'll always support you. Like I'll help you tell dad, like all this stuff. And mm -hmm. then I was like, how hypocritical of me, if I'm going to tell them that I'll support them if they want right. to live with one parent yet they're telling me they want to live with one parent. And what am I going right. to fight them on it and be like, no, you, you know, because this court decided this when you were three years old, we have to stick right. to it. Like, that's crazy, you know? And like they're teenagers, they need structure. They need the discipline. They need someone to be like watching over them all the time. And I just don't, yeah. first of all, I'm just not like that. It's not my personality. It's very hard for me to parent that way. Um, but I think they recognize that that's what they're needing right now. So I was like, okay, in the morning I texted them and I was like, I love you guys. Like I support you. I understand, you know, this doesn't change anything. We'll still just spend time together and talk every day. And like, you know, they live five minutes down the street. So I just pop over when I need to, or want to, or, mm -hmm. you know, vice versa. So honestly, it's kind of been good. Like once I got through the emotions of it all, like I was like, you know, now when we hang out, there's so much more quality to it. Like we're yeah. spending time because we want to spend time together and we're talking and we're having fun and we're, you know, just doing all the things. So it was very hard in the beginning, but now I, f I do feel much better. Well, good. And I feel like, I mean, I get sick of hearing about pandemic things are talking about them but mm -hmm. I do feel like there's just like massive thing that happened that the mm -hmm. 
the repercussions from that are going to just like keep rolling through. And Mm -hmm. I would have to think like you guys went through so many changes during that time. The boys obviously had to do school at home. Like there's been so much that they've been like, there's no option. You have to just roll with this with really crazy changes that even grownups like never even thought was possible. Right. So I can understand there might be like a little bit of a pendulum swing to the other side where it's like, if we don't have to be flexible anymore, we don't want to, like we want structure and that's it, you know? Yeah. And I also think too, that like they went through a major trauma, like very early in their life. When your parents get divorced, it's traumatic. And that happened before they were seven, you know, like that's their foundation is kind of shaky and unstable. Yeah. So I'm like, this could be very healing for them in the sense of like, they get to choose an outcome, you know, Mm -hmm. they get to choose. And, and I think that's like a big thing too. I see a lot of adults who were never allowed to make decisions as children. They were always just told, you know, Mm -hmm. you're going to do this. You're going to do that. You're going to play this sport. You're going to go to this school. You're going to whatever, eat this for dinner. And And then I see them as adults and like, they don't know how to make any sort of decision Mm -hmm. without a full fledged panic attack because they were never allowed to like mess up or make a decision and be like, "Mm, okay, that worked out great. I'm trusting my instincts or that didn't work out that great. And maybe I didn't trust my instincts and like navigating that. Like, I think it's so much safer to do as a kid when you have your parents to guide you through it and to like mm-hmm. support and love you through it versus trying to do it as an adult when you feel like you're all alone. Does that make sense? No, and I give you credit because I think that it must feel so hard to let that control go. Mm-hmm. And it does open up the option, as you're saying, for them to know, like they can change their mind tomorrow and nobody's going to be upset about it, which is right. cool too. Like this isn't like, major decision and then you're locked in forever like no everybody's going to adapt and it does force you to kind of be in touch with what you need because you know there's something to be said for like telling kids what to do or whatever like yeah you got to tell them to eat vegetables sometimes because they'll have ice cream every day all day Mm -hmm. if it were all left (laughs) up to them (laughs) but at the same time I think a lot of us were raised with this like super strong sense of people pleasing where it's like you get really in tune with what's going to make everybody comfortable around you. And then you make decisions according to that. And then as adults, you're like, I don't even know what I want. Like, all I know is whatever you guys want for dinner is what I want to make. (laughs) That is so true. You just hit the nail on the head. It is like such a crazy awareness to think like, oh, I've done everything for everyone. Right. My whole life. And like, when you say it like that, it sounds like I'm such a selfless person. And it's actually quite the opposite. Unfortunately, it's like, no, that's the way that you function best is to have the most control over your situation is to adjust your wants and needs and your actions according to other people. Cause like you are controlling them to stay cool, you know? Right. Right. Absolutely. So it's like, you're kind of manipulating, even though Right. Exactly. You're not, you know, not in a negative, bad way. Like I feel like manipulation is always looked at negatively, but it's like sometimes you're manipulating just to keep the peace. And like right. sometimes things don't need to be peaceful, you know? Yeah, exactly. Well, so, yeah, we'll be anyways, curious to hear how things yeah. 
continue Playing with out. this. Yeah. And, and I, I also like... signed up for some therapy. So I think that'll be helpful. <laughs> In unrelated news. <laughs> or kind of related. I know that was a joke. <laughs> no, that's yeah. great. Yeah. Good. So that was my action. I signed up for therapy. <laughs> okay. I did actually sign up for therapy also. So I guess I was, I did take some action as well. See. I was there like, well, I mean, this just seems like, why wouldn't you be doing this? Come on. <laughs> I saw the shirt and I was like, can we make this? It just says like, it's just a shirt that says go to therapy. I'm like, I want to just wear this every day. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> Cute. All right. So that's our reflection on Miss Wendy Nix, who we love. And we're so grateful that she took the time. So, um, if you enjoyed listening to this and you want to hear more, subscribe, share with your friends, talk about it all day, go have a debate about laziness with your group of people and let us know where you guys come out. And um, we'll talk to you next time. Perfect. Bye, right. guys. Bye.